Well, all good things must come to an end. And so today is our last teaching on the happy series. And uh, I know some of you, you don't look happy about that, okay? But uh, today is our last uh, kind of part of that uh, series. And if you would like to download anything, or uh, if today's your first time that you're here, if you want to check out our um, JAR app, uh, all the teachings are there, all the small group stuff is there, all the devotions are there, and you can simply download uh, the JAR Community Church on the App Store, and you can go ahead and get all that information. Well, I'd like to begin this morning with kind of a big idea that we're going to look at throughout our time today, and it's this, it's your first fill-in either on the app or in your program, as long as you are all about you, you won't be happy, okay? As long as you are all about you, you won't be happy. You can't be happy if it's only always ever kind of always about you. You see, the problem is, is that you can't fulfill you. I mean, if you were able to be exactly the kind of person that you wanted to be, you would look around and you'd say, well, if I want to be that person, I just have to have the right house, the right car, the right wife, the right husband, the right everything, and then things would be good. Now, we're not asking you to let go of the husband or wife this morning. Okay. But the thing is, we kind of look at our lives and we're like, hey, you know what? I'm not so sure about this. And it all comes back to this. Well, as long as you're all about you, you won't be happy. I mean, the reality is many of us, what we do is we try to create kind of a composite person. We we try to create the best person that we can imagine. And we think that if we just create that person, then we would be happy. And typically... What happens is, is that you will get like 12 people in your life and you'll be like, hey, they're really wealthy. And so if I had their wealth and then this person, if I had their personality and uh, her, if I had her looks or her, if I had her personality, if I put all those together in one composite person, then I actually would be happy. I mean, Uh, The reality is, if I could just have their house, if I could have their car, if I could look like her, if I could have that guy's income, if I could have that guy's kids, because my kids are driving me crazy. And his kids always obey, so if I just had those kids, and if I had their education, and if I could just get out of Muncie, Indiana, and if I could move, you know, to like that city, Honolulu, Hawaii, then I would be happy. And this is the problem. Most of the time, when you look at other people, you know what you're experiencing? They're highlight reel. That's because when it comes to Facebook and you look at someone and you think, man, you know, she really looks good. I wish I looked like her. Or, man, he's really buff. I wish I looked like him. You know how many pictures it took for them to look like that? Hundreds and photoshopping and making this less and this more and this better and this not so big and this a little bit bigger. And, you know, like all that kind of stuff. And 
That's what we do. And we look at other people's highlight reels. And then we don't just look at one. We look at 12, like I was saying. And we have this composite person that we're trying to put it all together. And we think if we just kind of had that, all would be well. But this is the truth, folks. You cannot acquire or consume or exercise your way to happiness. You can't acquire enough. You can't consume enough. You can't exercise your way in to happiness, and yet the reality is we try to do this. Now, this is what's really funny. Many of you do this. You look at other people, and you try to take different parts, and you're like, hey, if I only had that, then I would be happy. But this is what's funny, but it might surprise some of you. Other people are looking at you in the same way. There's other people in your life, they look at you and they're kind of like, oh, well, you know what, if I just kind of look like her or if I look like him and if I had that and if I could wear that and I could, if I could live the way that you live and, you know, if I could date the person that you date and, you know, if I could go to the school that you get to go to, then all of a sudden I would be happy. And they want some attributes in your life, but you are blind to it. And you're thinking to yourself, no, 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 no. I want theirs. And it gets this real kind of weird, kind of messed up, psycho kind of people called human beings. And that's what we do. We have this sense of comparing, trying to make ourselves something That maybe we're just not. And the problem is, many times, when you look at these other people and you think they're so happy, guess what? They're not as happy as you think they are. But they look like it, they act like it, they have the resources for it, and that seems to be it. Folks, the truth is, you cannot acquire or consume or exercise your way to happiness. But this is the truth. You can serve and volunteer your way there. Now, before all of you get up and you start exiting for the doors, greeters, lock the doors, okay? Because I know that in a teaching like this, some of you are like, oh, man, he's going to ask us to do something. I'm not going to ask you to do something, but I do want to give you some perspective on if you want happiness in your life. Folks, I'm telling you, this is the key. You can serve and volunteer your way there. Uh You can do this on your own. When you leave here today, some of you might do it right now because you have phones and you can look it up. But if you did a Google search or you looked at some research about the connection between happiness and selflessness or health and selflessness or happiness and health and volunteering you would see tons of research that shows us there's a huge connection. Is there kind of this connection that tells us that our happiness honestly is connected to when we give ourselves away? Is there a connection between our happiness and health and when we serve outside ourselves. Well, there's one study that I was looking at this week, uh, well, over the last few weeks, from the University of Chicago. And basically what this study focused on was simply asking the question, what are the most satisfying or fulfilling jobs? In other words, what are the careers in which people feel most satisfied and connected? And they kind of made a list of different ones, and this is what they found. 
that when it came to job satisfaction, it focused on jobs that were caring for others, teaching others, and protecting others. It said that people who were most satisfied with their jobs were people who were caring for someone else, who was teaching someone, who was protecting somebody else. That these were the most satisfied people. And in this study, they actually looked at the income. Because you would think, well, what makes us most happy is how much income we have. And basically what they found was when it came to job satisfaction, people were happy not by how much they made. I mean, it had to be enough, you know, to be able to care for their basic needs and uh, necessities, those kind of things. But when they got increased income, they weren't necessarily more happy. It was only when they found jobs where people were caring for each other, teaching others, or protecting others, that their happiness level actually increased. But happiness and job happiness was found within careers that focused on these three areas. Then I looked at another study that was even more amazing. It was from the United Kingdom. And they did 40 different studies. And they asked this question, is there a connection between happiness and selflessness? Happiness and selflessness. Is there some kind of connection between happiness and health and you actually looking outside yourself and serving someone? And they looked at 40 different studies that took place over 20 years. So it's a huge kind of study. And here's what they found between these ideas here that they focused in on. That when it came to volunteering and health and happiness, when it came to that within this role, there were people whose lifestyle changed because they were looking outside themselves. And you know this. Uh, This wasn't uh, people, though, in this study that just, like, served once. It wasn't like, you know, they went up to a guy, and a guy goes, Dude, I served in the 60s, man. And uh, that was it. No, no, no. Like, these were people who were actually carving time out of their day to volunteer and to serve in their community, in their church, and in other areas of their life. And here's what they discovered over These 20 years of study. It's amazing to me that when it came to depression, their depression actually went down. When it came to heart disease, their heart disease actually uh, was not a factor. Their stress went down. When they focused on teenagers, they found that there was lower drug use. And they also found that there was lower teenage pregnancies from that. They actually said that when it comes to your teenager, you should, if you have to, force them to volunteer. That volunteering with a bad attitude actually still had good results. And if any of you are a parent of a teenager, or you have been, you you know this. Because you're like, well, they have a bad attitude all the time. That's right. And this is what they found. The study showed that teenagers who volunteer as a teenager in a regular kind of way, typically when they become adults, they actually 
begin to have the benefits of happiness as an adult because they volunteer as adult as well. Now, these are all the things that go down when you do this, but in the flip side, these are all the things that go up. Your well-being, psychologically, your well-being goes up. You have better physical health. You have better self-esteem. You live longer. There's a higher quality of life when you give yourself away. Now, folks, I want you to know this. My natural inclination is to be selfish. My natural inclination is to be all about me. And some of you don't look at me right now and go, oh, look, he's just talking about himself. No, no, no. You're that way, too. Your natural inclination is to think only about yourself. What's best for you? To acquire, to consume, and to become the best that I can be. And yet, research all over the world would tell us that it doesn't work. All of them came to the same conclusion that one of the best things that you can do for yourself is not focus on yourself. One of the best things that you can do for yourself is actually not to focus on yourself. That selflessness actually leads to happiness. Selflessness leads to better well-being. You're not as stressed. You live longer. You have a higher quality of life when you choose to be selfless. Now, here's the question that I want to ask you and to try to answer for the rest of our time. And here it is. How can behaving selflessly make myself happier? How is that? I mean, it just seems counter to what we think about. Or you might put it this way, another way. How can emptying myself leave me actually feeling more full. How is that? Because it's counterintuitive. Like it doesn't make sense for us to do that. Now, many of you, though, you've experienced this. Many of you get up a little bit earlier on Sunday morning and you come and you help set up different things or you play in the band. Some of you get here a little bit earlier and you help with the parking team that's out there. You get here a little bit earlier and you help with hospitality. Or you get here a little bit earlier and you help with jar kids. But you, you get here and all of a sudden you start working and you do something and it seems weird. But actually as you're giving yourself away, you actually start feeling better about yourself. I mean, maybe you stopped at Concannon's and you got some donuts and you're like, it's been such a horrible week and everything's wrong and I really don't even want to serve today. And then you get here and you start serving and you start thinking outside yourself. And the truth is you actually start feeling better about yourself. And you're like, what's that all about? And I just want to thank all of you who actually give yourself away in these ways because the church couldn't function without you. Now, I also want to encourage that if there's any of you that are not kind of helping in some way, I would strongly encourage you to do so. And it's easy. You can just volunteer today by checking the blue box on your Connect card. 
If you just look at that blue box up in the upper right-hand corner, you just check that. And we only ask for one hour a month. Folks, today, some of you will spend three to four hours on your phone. Some of you are already on there right now. You're like, bunch is asking me to serve and I'm going to look at my phone. Okay, I get it. But, but here's the thing. You'll get no benefit from that. You won't get healthier. You won't get better. Nothing will change. So why not give one hour a month where you're actually going to make yourself healthier due to research that's beyond bunch just saying, we need people. The truth is, if you give yourself away, you actually get healthier. So I hope you'll do that. I mean, I don't know what it is, but, but it's just strange to me. But, but it's true. When people give themselves away, they actually feel better. But you leave and you ask, well, Bunch, how can that be? Like, how can that be? How is it that I give myself away for someone else and I actually leave feeling better about myself? Why am I happier when I am doing something for someone else? Why is that? It just doesn't make sense to me. And do you know why it doesn't make sense to many people? Is because most people never do it. Why is it there are constantly people asking others to help serve in some way? Because most of us, we know it's a good idea. We think we should do it. But the reality is we come across with this question. Well, I'd love to do that, but I just don't have the, what's it, what is it? Time. I just don't have the time. And yet some of you today will get on social media or you'll watch football games or you'll do something that will not add anything to your life. You'll just veg out. You'll just be like, did you know that they have a sale down at this store? And then all of a sudden you're like telling 500 people about that. One hour, once a month, it has a benefit to your life. Well, I don't have the time. Well, this is what I would say to you. I can't believe that you wouldn't take the time because it actually will affect your health for the better to do it. And as strange as it sounds, one of the best things you can do for you is quit doing stuff for you. One of the best things that you can do for you is quit doing so much for you. And one of the ways that you can do this as a family is that you actually, as a family, do something for another family. One of the commitments that we make as a family, and most months we do it, we, we go and we serve as a family one time a month. So we've already signed up for Feed My Sheep. And we'll be going as a family, taking food to people on Thanksgiving because that's what we do. Now, I'm not saying you have to do that, but I'm just telling you, our family actually gets happier. First of all, the girls get in the car and they're like, I'm fighting with you and you're fighting with me. And why do we have to do this on Thanksgiving? And then by the time we actually get to the house and we give it and they're like, Holy cow, Dad, we could get anything, and these folks didn't have much, and now all of a sudden they're happy, and what happened? The only thing that changed is that they're not 
looking at themselves. They're actually giving themselves away. I'm telling you folks, one of the best ways that you can fill up your life is by giving your life away. But you're like, well, how can that be? How can that be? Well, I want to tell you how it can be. The reason is, is because these two words, and we spelled this wrong, So I don't know if Mikey can change that as he does that. He probably will, okay? But it is by divine design, not whatever that... That is Greek for the word divine, okay? You didn't know that, but... You were created this way, folks. You were actually designed this way. You were created for... Community. You were created to give yourself away. A creator created you to actually give your life away. And I often use this example with myself and my family. God created you with open hands. He actually created you to have open hands to serve other people. He did not create you with tight fists. Tight fists that I keep it for myself and only for myself. He actually created you with hands that would be open. And you were designed with open hands. And people who have open hands to give themselves away are happier people. Now, here's the thing. Nobody has to learn to be selfish, do you? I mean, no one has to learn how to be selfish. My mom told me, I came out of the womb selfish. You know what I mean? And you know what that's like. Uh, You're selfish. If it comes to the end of the day, I will always choose Chris Bunch over anything else in my own natural inclination. But that's just me. I mean, I don't know about you. Maybe some of you are just very selfless all the time. I mean, if you're not so sure about how sometimes I've changed, though, just ask my wife when it comes to washing the dishes. I am the most selfless person. As I walk out the door, you know, because I just don't want to do that sometimes. And folks, selfishness comes naturally. Selfishness, though, is not the divine design that God had for your life. Remember, uh, see, look at that. See how they do that real quickly? So let's go to the next slide. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the thing that separates us, though, is sin. Sin is that thing that separates us from having peace with God and peace with other people and peace with ourselves. That's what sin does. It always, always separates us. Selfishness is brokenness. Sin is brokenness. It's the same. And when we sin, it separates us into our own self-centered kind of world. And you and I, we know this. Sin isolates me from you, and sin has a tendency to isolate you from me. Sin whispers in my ear, Chris, just do everything that you want to do on your time. Spend all your resources, all your time on yourself. Chris, spend it all just for you. Fill yourself up, Chris, to the brim. Keep a closed fist. Don't don't share. Keep it 
closed and everything for yourself. And it's easy to give into this lie that it's all about my three favorite friends, me, myself, and I. But time and experience and research that I've shown you is that it's not the case. If you want to be happy, you have to give yourself away. If you want to be happy, you actually give yourself away. You will never be happy, folks, as long as it's all about you. Now, the happiest people that I know in this world are selfless people. They're people who actually put themselves behind the other person. They actually put other people before themselves. They give their life away. And in the scripture, there's actually kind of two approaches to living. And we find this throughout the scripture, but I think it's highlighted the most in Galatians chapter 15. Galatia was a uh, Roman province. And Paul, the guy who wrote close to half of the New Testament, he actually goes to this province and he starts a church there. Uh, kind of like we started the Jar here or other churches were started. And he starts this church in Galatia, but then he leaves and he goes and he plants some other churches. And then he writes back to them kind of what he wants to focus on. And he, he talks about there being two ways that we live our life. One way is that I live for myself. Everything is about me. I try to make myself most happy by focusing on me. Or the second way is that I serve others and I give myself away. So here's what Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. The acts of the sinful nature. Now, what's he talking about there? What's that about? What's Paul saying? That if you were just to do whatever you wanted to do, anytime you wanted to do it for yourself, that's what the sinful nature is. I want to do it whenever I wanted, and, and there would be no consequences. Your husband would never find out. Your wife would never find out. Your kids would never find out. There would be nothing that would hold you back. You could just go with whatever your natural impulse was in that moment. You would do whatever you wanted to do in that time. The money would never run out. You would always have tons of options to do whatever you wanted to do. And he says, this is the sinful nature. And he says, from that, it's obvious this is what would arise. He says, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality impurity, debauchery. That just sounds bad, doesn't it? That's excessive sexual behavior. Idolatry. What's idolatry? Idolatry in that day was to get all of the gods to actually do my bidding. And many people will say, well, we don't do that now. Oh, yeah, you do. I hear Christians all the time. This is how they pray. God, if you'll do all of these things for me, then maybe I'll do something for you. But if not, I'm not going to follow you. That's idolatry. Uh, the next one, witchcraft. I get all of the natural kind of resources, all the natural things in the natural world to do my bidding. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, 
dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies. And then he's, then he goes on like this, and the like. Now, I just want to ask you, isn't this a fun list? I mean, it just brings so much fun to our lives. And Paul is like, if you were just to go with the flow of the culture, do whatever you wanted to do with who you ever wanted to do it with, with whenever you would do it, this is the natural inclination that you would turn to. And folks, the reason is, is because all of these are pleasures. And we talked about it last week, that pleasure isn't bad. It's just bad when that becomes the greater than happiness. Pleasure is when it's ever something that you do and the expense goes to the other person. This is always pleasure at someone else's expense. It's always pleasure, these things, at someone else's expense. When you kind of get into your selflessness, it's selfishness, then it's always pleasure at someone else's expense. Someone always pays the price. When you give in to your sinful inclinations, someone always pays a price. You may not get caught. You may get by with it. But pleasure always comes at someone else's expense. And why? Because all of these things right here are appetites. And you know what it is with appetites. Appetites are never what? Satisfied. Appetites are never satisfied. Appetites just grow and grow and grow and grow. When you kind of have an appetite and it grows, you want it to grow more. And then all of a sudden, when it doesn't satisfy you, what happens is you get angry and you get frustrated by it. So Paul says our sinful nature, our flesh, our selfishness, just gone without any control will take us into appetites, but they will never fully satisfy us. Whether it's the appetite for sex, whether it's an appetite for stuff, whether it's appetite for recognition, whether it's an appetite to be the best that you can be, whatever it is, these appetites are never fully satisfied. But then he contrasts all of this to something else, and this is what he contrasts it to. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit. Now, what does he mean by that? He says, here's the sinful nature, but to contrast it, I'm going to give you the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit was when you finally say to yourself, I'm going to surrender my life to you, God, as my heavenly Father, and I'm going to say, God, it's not working for me to always just focus on myself. God, I'm tired of filling myself up all the time. I want you to fill me up. I've just come to a point where I've said, God, it's not working. God, it's no longer about me. It's not about me. It's about you, and I'm tired of not being satisfied. And when we get to that point and we say, God, it's about you, and it's not about me, I'm saying, not my will, God, but your will, God, be done. Then he says, the fruit of the Spirit grows. 
And here's some of the fruit. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. God, I'd rather have your patience than what I think is patience. Kindness. What's kindness? Kindness is where I kind of gear back so that you are comfortable. Goodness. I'm choosing to do the right thing no matter what it costs me. Faithfulness. You know what? I can be trusted. I can be trusted. And then gentleness. That real sense that you get to the point where you're going to say, I'm going to leverage my power for your benefit. How can I do that? And then finally, self-control. And Paul says that when you do this, when you choose not to choose the sinful nature, he says, and you actually say, Heavenly Father, I want you in my life for you to use me. These are the fruits of the Spirit that God says begins to flow out of your life. And then he kind of ends with kind of this brilliant statement in all of ancient history and in the New Testament in particular. Against such things... There is no law. Against such things, there is no law. What, what's that about? Well, it's a very rich statement. Let me go ahead and I'll put the list back up again. And just think about it. Just think about your own family, the family that you're in right now. What if that family was loving all the time and joyful and peaceful and patient and kind and good and faithful and gentle and there was self-control in the family? Do you think that family would be happy? There's an answer to this. Do you think, yeah! Do you think they would actually be happier if they were living these? Yeah! You would be so much more happy. If we lived in a community, think about that, that kind of lived this out, what would that community look like? Every time that you would come to a four-way stop, it would be mass chaos. You know why? Because everyone would get there and go, no, 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 you go ahead. And the other person would say, no, 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 you go ahead. We'd actually have to hire police officers not to have to do any law. It would have to be they'd have to stand there and be like, uh, no, no, you've been waiting 10 minutes. It's time for you to go. That's the kind of community that doesn't need a law because they're living out the fruits of the Spirit. In this community, there isn't a need for you to worry about having to get, you know, a security system for your house. Because everyone's living like this and no one's thinking about trying to steal something from you. Can you imagine what would happen to your family, our community, our nation, if everyone just said, you know what, we're going to live out the fruits of the Spirit. Can you sense, can you imagine how much happier our world would actually be your family, your community, our church, our nation. And Paul says, this is what you were created for. You were created to live your life like this. This is how you were created to live your life. And so the more selfless you become, the happier you become. Now, I know some of you are sitting there and you're like, I need more evidence, Bunch. I need more evidence. Because I just, I'm not so sure about this. So, let me uh, kind of wrap things up by asking you this question right here. How do we measure the value of a life? 
how do you measure the value of life? And I want to get as real and clear as I can. So, all of you have been to a funeral before. And if you've ever been to a funeral, someone stands up and if they start talking about the deceased, typically they never say something like this. They never look at the other things and go, you know what, this person was really immoral and they were impure and they were indulgent and they were hateful and they were jealous and they were angry and they were selfish and they were argumentative and they were envious. And I can tell you how many times and when they got drunk, hallelujah, let's praise their life. No one ever does that. No one ever stands up and says, I'm going to tell you about all the contributions of this person. He slept with every single woman that he could in our community. He was angry. He was jealous. He was selfish. He was envious. He drank. He was asleep only the times that he wasn't drinking or with a woman. And weren't we inspired by him? Folks, that's not what happens. And these are the things that are at the end of your life. This is why you realize none of that holds any value. There is absolutely no value that gives anything to anyone from that. We know that there's nothing that brings happiness from this. And yet every single day, you and I are tempted to consume and to think about what is it in it for me. And the reason we do this is because... We think this will make us happier. That if we just focus on ourselves more, we'll be more fulfilled. Folks, selflessness is not natural. It's not natural for us to do that because selflessness is difficult. Selfishness, it's easy. But selfishness always will kill someone. It will kill you. The value of your life is measured by how much of your life do you give away. That's why at the end of a person's life, they'll often talk about all the things they did or what they did. And they, it's about giving themselves away. When a person gives their self away, they think to themselves, you know what, when I hear a story When I hear something that's said, then I think that was a great man. That was a great woman. I become greater when I give myself away. And do you know what's true of them? The people at the end of their life who are selfless people, they have tons of people that remember the impact and the legacy that they made. And so this is kind of your take-home message, kind of the last thing for you to put down. You were designed by God to give your life away. That's how he created you. That's how he made you. For you to give your life away. And so this is how we're going to kind of conclude our series uh, this day. And the way we're going to do it is by kind of giving you an illustration of what this series and this day in particular is all about. If you would, I'd like you to imagine that your life is like this glass cylinder. And you come into this world and things are are well. But then the problem is, is that the sinful nature kind of takes over. And if we're not careful, when the sinful nature comes, what we do is we begin to start choosing. 
and we start choosing things like selfishness. And we choose things like jealousy and gossip. We choose things like anger. We choose things like frustration. We choose things like lust. We choose things like arrogance and hatred. We choose things like being constantly kind of argumentative. We choose things like uh, pain and hurt that we cause other people. And all of a sudden, pretty soon, our entire life gets filled with the sinful nature. And then it's at that time where we have to call out to our Heavenly Father and we say, God, this isn't working. I have no room to ever be me. I'm just always angry and upset and and I'm filled with this. And in the midst of that, what transpires is that there's no room for God to work. And so finally we got to say, God, I want your will, not mine. And when that happens, all of a sudden, we begin to start choosing the fruit of the Spirit. And God says, well, I'll pour into your life. I'll just pour into your life, and I'll keep pouring, and I'll remove those particular things in your life that are holding you back, and I'll pour in my love and joy and peace and patience and kindness goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control and I'll pour more and more and more until your life, your life is overflowing with me. And my question for you today is which will you choose? Will you choose your sinful nature or will you choose fruit of the Spirit that God desires to pour into your life. And the choice is up to you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for loving us so much that you gave your life away. The reason we're here today is because you gave all away. You looked into one sinful nature and then you looked into another and pretty soon the whole world was filled with the things of the flesh said that if you will turn to me, I can pour something better into your life that will remove all of that and you will have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And I can pour that into your life. Lord, we know that we were created and designed with lives to give them away to help serve you, to help serve our family, to help serve the church, anyone in our path. So remind us, Lord, that if our life is only about ourselves, we will never be happy. But when we give our life away, we experience happiness like never before. And today, maybe some of you are sitting there and 
this illustration said, you know what? My life is dry. I feel so dry because of all of the nature of sinfulness in my life. Maybe you bought into the lie. You know what? I'm just not good enough. I'll never be enough. I'm not smart enough. I can't climb the ladder enough. And God says to you today, I'll take you just as you are. I'll do more in your life than you can imagine if you'll just receive my spirit and the fruits of my spirit will flow from you. So today, if you're ready to say, I need your grace, God. I need your presence. I need your forgiveness. Jesus, you be first. You be Lord of my life. And I invite you to simply share this prayer. And it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself, but it's a prayer that we pray together. And I invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.